1: Welcome to the First Cup Podcast. I'm Greg Ducharme, joined by Mark Immelman today, and this is the round one recap of the Tour Championship, although looking at the leaderboard, it looks like a round two recap. Uh, Mark, welcome to the show. Nice job out there on the coverage today, and thanks for joining. How are you doing today?
2: Great. One of my favorite events at Eastlake. It's such a great golf course. Um, Bobby Jones' place, there it is. You, uh, if, if you're doing counts, there's my Bobby Jones reference. And and it was fun being a part of it. And then to, to be part of the PGA tour live crew, which I haven't done since the shortened player's championship and to have Rory who looked you know, pretty, he looked like Rory McIlroy today. was a lot of fun. What'd you make of the golf course? It's spectacular. It's in great shape. Um, the, the, the thing about it is, which is a little sad is that Atlanta, I was talking to a local here yesterday um, and he says they've had a record breaking um, August in terms of rainfall, they've had over an eight they've had eight and a half inches of rain, and it's rained 16 of 31 days in August of 2020. So this golf course was always going to be kind of lush. Um, it was always gonna be a little slow. The greens are uh, impeccable, but they're running at about 12. They're not really firm in that 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 scary fright factor fast just yet, but they were one or two. As they started to bake out later in the day, you could see them get glassy and 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 have that sort of thing where "Whoa, I better be careful." So, uh, of course, it's in fantastic order, but it but it still is pretty recept- receptive.
1: It's amazing that we're now at a place in the game where uh, where twelve on the stint meter is a little bit on the slower side. It's just a, it's amazing where we've come, and hearing you say it that way, it is. Uh, I mean, twelve used to be whoa, twelve. I mean, that's that's flying. And now it's on the slower side, which is amazing. But but the 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 course did provide an excellent leaderboard. Uh, we did have a little leaderboard coming in, but now at the top of the leaderboard we have Dustin Johnson and John Rahm in the mix. Second week in a row, it it's extremely exciting. Um, we'll start with Dustin Johnson here. Um, he, he's at 13 under now. He was uh, three under for the day today, and he looked pretty good. And he and John Rahm were in this duel back and forth putting matching putts, uh, especially on the second nine.
2: What What'd you make of DJ's round today? Uh, DJ did what DJ had to do coming in here with the lead at 10 under par. Um, And and holes eight and nine where he slipped up. You know, eight I think was playing the hardest hole today, um, if not the second hardest. And nine is just a man-sized par three of 220 yards plus. And, And you can easy spend one over there. So I can sort of forgive those indiscretions. I'm surprised that he would make two in a row. Two bogeys that is. But then he turned around on the back nine and did what he had to do, and he kind of uh, sort of reclaimed his momentum, uh, not necessarily the lead because, you know, there's a lot of golf left, but he just got some momentum back with birdies on 12, 13, and 15. So that little stretch, uh, not bogeying 18, which was down breeze, is sort of unforgivable for guys of his power. So so I feel like he he, he would think he let one slide over there, but still, if you had said to DJ, big guy, we're giving you 67-3 under, uh, would you take it? I'm sure he would have bitten your hand off and run and just chilled in the hotel for a day. So, so, so I think it's a good day's work.
1: You got to figure four rounds like that for him would go an extremely long way. And he, even even nine, Mark, where uh, the the par three it was formerly the 18th hole here, 232 yards, and he hit. I believe it was a four iron that he hit. And I thought it was a great shot. He played a little cut. It was a left hole location. He started it at the flag, peeled it to the middle of the green, very similar to what John Rom Rahm did. Rom's landed a little bit soft, and DJ's kind of took a bounce over the green, which I, I thought was a little surprising. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he ends up making a, an unfortunate bogey there, but he did rally on the second nine, and that's where it really got interesting because John Rom, um, who I also want to talk about here, John Rahm, Played great on the back nine. He made four birdies in the twelve between twelve and sixteen. His only par was on uh, on fourteen. But he too didn't take advantage of the eighteenth hole. Do you think John Rahm is leaving today feeling uh, disappointed, or do you think that he he wins the
2: day? Uh, I wouldn't say wins the day because there were rounds lower than him. Uh, but I will tell you this: he pulled off a Houdini act by shooting five under and only hitting it in three of fourteen fairways. Because you've got to hit the, uh, hit the ball and play off the tee over here. And so that was some big-time stuff. And what was impressive to me about Rahm was he's obviously strong enough. And the, the, the rough is punitive, but it's not like pitch-out punitive. You know, if the greens were firm, it would have been difficult to control. But it's not like you're just chopping balls back into play. So, clearly, was using his strength because you've hit three of 14 fairways, yet you're able to hit the ball on the green in regulation 14 of 18 times. So, you know, he rode a quality iron game, which is typically his deal, and then putted really, really nicely. But, you know, there was I don't want to say it was easy to do because the greens are so perfect. But if you're starting the ball on your line without them having a whole bunch of speed, you were going to make your share. And he's obviously confident. So, you know, I'm sure he's really happy with the day, you know, coming in, starting two back of uh, Dustin and then coming out of uh, the first round tired with DJ. I'm sure rum is feeling just dandy, you know?
1: So uh, he hit three of 14 fairways, a great stat from Justin Ray. It's the lowest round at Eastlake by a player hitting three or fewer fairways. Uh, in the FedEx Cup playoff era, which is since 2007. And uh, thank you, Jacob, for that. But the thing that fascinates me about this round from John Rahm three of 14 fairways is one thing. Well, he hit 14 of 18 greens. And typically, if you see somebody miss a lot of fairways, but hit a lot of greens, you see a proximity number that's really high. You see a guy who, yeah, he can get it on the green, but he can't really get it close to the hole. Well, John Rahm was third in proximity today, he averaged 26 feet. And the way that he was rolling it, he was second in strokes game putting, he made 128 feet of putts. It was, it was remarkable. It, it was something to, uh, to really be seen. Do you think, Mark, going forward, you can hit, you, you can miss fairways and still continue to give yourself birdie looks? Or do you think he's got to really clean up the driver in order to
2: contend with DJ? He's going to have to clean up the driver, but I'll tell you this much. Uh, that proximity number that you share, uh, a number of the hole locations were sort of short, and two edges of greens. So if you were in the rough, uh, some of the uh, holes here you can run one up and and there's always your grass up to about 30 feet of the edge of the green. So you could bumble one up there and sort of climb it onto the green and then it wants to gather with slip. So I, I think those. that's another area where if Kyle was on, I'd say to him, look, we're massaging statistics to sort of fit our argument a little bit. So. Um, uh, he's going to have to put the ball in play because when some of these holocations get cut on perches and stuff like that, and you're playing defense, the next thing all of a sudden you get on the wrong side of a slope and you can have 40 and 50 feet as opposed to 26 on average. So, so so I still think the order of the day around this place, as it always is, is to put the ball in play off the tee and putt well.
1: Well, um, both Rom and DJ did putt well. Uh, which was extremely important. DJ was 11th in strokes game putting, but DJ too, he only hit 14 uh, he only hit five of 14 fairways. So I think they both have a little bit of work to do with the driver, clean things up a little bit. Um, but a, a player around that I thought was really impressive, Mark, and I want to get your thoughts on it, was the round of Justin Thomas. He was able to hit eight of 14 fairways. He got it in play much more. And he made up a shot. He, he started the day at seven under, he was three back of, of uh, Dustin Johnson, two back of Rahm. He's now only uh, two back of both of them at 11 under par. A great round of 66. What impressed you about Justin Thomas today?
2: Uh, What impressed me was that in some comments with our crew before the tournament, he said that last week he didn't really have his best game and the ball striking wasn't really sharp. And so obviously, he and his dad have done some yeoman's work, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, leading into this thing to, 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 to you know, get a handle on the golf swing. But to that, um, there's, a real, there's a golf instructor called John Graham, who's a short game maestro, who I highly respect. and he's, he's helped Francesco Molinari en route to major championship wins and company. And I saw John on the golf course with JT yesterday in practice. And so I text him. I'm like, JT? a question mark and i get the sort of smiley face back so i caught up with him the, today before the before the round we were doing a pre-game show and i said to him so john what's the story with justin and he said uh i'm on a trial period with justin thomas i'm like well it's going well and he goes yes yeah, there's some promise and, and and i looked into the roundsum, and i saw justin was pretty sharp around the greens too so uh so a little insider trading if you will there with john graham involved because that guy is an expert around the greens is a heck of a golf instructor and with jt's ball striking prowess you know adding a little extra around the greens i think is going to be a big deal
1: no question about it jt was uh, second in proximity as we mentioned about john um, rom having a pretty good proximity day jt was even better and he was fourth approaching the greens. so um, with jt's iron play as impressive as it is a little work with the putter. putter. Putter's been the weakness for him this year. And it was the weakness today, um, despite the work with John Graham. You, as you know, Mark, these things take a little time to set in. It's not like that trial period you're going to see, well, I took a lesson with John Graham and now I lead the tour in strokes game putting starting the next round. It doesn't necessarily work that way. So I do think for JT, there's some stuff to clean up. And I think I'm with you. I think John Graham is the right guy for the job. I've had a chance to speak with him on a number of occasions, and he is. Extremely impressive. So I, I, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of his. No question about it. Um, and and JT, I mean, you know the, mo- uh, the model, Mark. We call it now Mark's model, where the guys that are hitting the ball really well and they lose a little bit in, in strokes game putting, these are the guys that are going to have great yeah, rounds sir. tomorrow. So JT's got to be on your
2: hit list. Oh, leading into tomorrow. Me, Greg. Look at me. Look at the camera. All right. Now, I, again, I need you to explain to me how, yes, he's had a bad putting day. He's 22nd in a field of 30. But he's three or four scrambling. He's sand saves one of one. He's fourth in the field around strokes gain around the green. All he's not doing, he's missed a few eight footers, and so he's lost strokes over there. But he's made every putt that meant something, and he hasn't held anything of major consequence. Come on, now let's let let's let's leave the bad putting thing alone.
1: Well, see that this is the thing. This is why it's a great sign for tomorrow. Because just because you. Um, let's say that he had a lot of opportunities inside of 20 feet yes. and just because some of those missed today it doesn't mean that he's hitting bad putts so I would look at um, JT and say he's he, he looks ready to me to have a great putting day just because there's a negative next your strokes gain number well that doesn't mean that you're going to have a positive the day after and it doesn't mean that you had a bad putting day um, it just means you had a bad putting day statistically and watching JT today, I would say it's unlikely for that to
2: happen again. I'm so glad because you're a wise young man, and I call you young, that you didn't fall to just looking at a statistical summary and go, "Oh, negative strokes going putting; it was a bad day." That's there's can't...
1: there's more to it than that. There yeah. is absolutely you, you, the, uh, there's a little eye test that goes involved here, um, especially when you have a guy who's working with a with a new putting coach. So it, it's definitely something um, that I'm looking forward to. But Mark. Maybe the winner of the day. You look at a guy who, in your one-and-done strategy throughout the entire year, your anchor position has been this week, and it's been based on Rory McIlroy. And coming into today, he was three under par. Um, Last year he won, he was five under par, so he's a little bit farther out. And the game hasn't really been in the form that it was last year. And people have had some questions and some doubts. We did find out some news that, uh, that, that Poppy was on the way and Poppy is um, safely delivered and, and happy and healthy and all of that, which I think is a big relief for Rory. But Rory, 64 today, ties the, um, his lowest career round at Eastlake, which with his record there, I almost find that to be surprising. Uh, he made five birdies on the back nine. Um, which was was extremely impressive Um, and he hit a lot of greens iron play was important for him today and I think it's been something that has been lapsing a little bit um, since the restart what did you make of Rory's round what impressed you so much I mean you got to be feeling thrilled about that
2: two things there was a one directional miss with the driver And if he was a little off, it was just a flare-out to to right field, which it wasn't getting him to trouble. There wasn't that fast left ball. There was one that was sort of touch and go, but he got away with it. But if the miss was going in one direction – and I almost want to say in a funny way it was patient because on the third hole of the day, I was a bit critical of Rory. And he's birdied the first, uh, made a good par on two. Three is a downhill par four. A lot of players just hit iron off the tee and wedge on the green. He's gone after this with driver, blown it to the right, to a back right hole location. And I set up the shot going, got to be careful here. You'd rather just put this into the middle of the green, give your putter a chance and get out. Well, he's went for the super flop shot out of Bermuda rough off a downhill lie, dumps it in the bunker makes bogey. And I'm like, this is a guy trying to force the issue. But then on the next, hole settles down with a good drive. Beautiful iron on the green, makes a birdie. Par five, after that, I think has eight iron into the green mix. Could have made eagle. Just melts over the edge. And so from then on, I saw a guy that wasn't trying to force the issue. It didn't look rash to me. It's almost like he was – it's almost like he came to grips with the fact that, you know, I'm swinging okay. I love this place. If I just play average, I'm going to shoot 65 or so around here. And that's exactly what he did didn't try to force anything. And then he plays that back nine opens up and, and finishes fast on 16, 17 and 18. So I, I think it was around where the one directional miss the patience and, and the coming to grips with the fact that, you know, I'm very much in this and I don't have to do anything special to shoot a really low round because people think low scores and they think aggression. That you, you cannot be aggressive around Eastlake. You have to be a little circumspect at times and he was that way on the back nine, and he shot 30 on the back, and it could have been lower on the back, to be honest with you.
1: Um, you know, Mark, it's interesting you say that about the aggression at Eastlake. You start seven back of, of a leader in Dustin Johnson who's playing the best golf in the world, and you feel like, well, okay, that means I have to hit it at every flag. But w- what you really have to do is highlight a, uh, uh, the strategy that I would have if I had a player in the field. I would say, okay, let's, let's pick a number that we think is our – of a a target score where, where would you like to get to? Maybe it's 18 under, maybe it's uh 20, whatever it is. How are you going to pick off, pick apart this golf course and give yourself opportunities? Because one double bogey early in a round, if that bogey on number three turns into a double, if he doesn't get up and down from the bunker, all of a sudden, I mean, you, you, you stretch that lead for them so much with a mistake. And now you're kind of in this bad cycle where you feel like to get that back. Just to get that double back, not even to gain strokes on the leaders, just to get the double back, you got to be even more aggressive, and things can compound quickly. So it was great to see Rory a a little bit more patient after that, as you allude to. Um, And the thing that struck me, Mark, well, this was a a positive strokes game putting day. In fact, he was fifth in the field with the flat stick, and I think that's so important for Rory. It's been something he's been struggling with a little bit since the restart. Uh, I might say a lot of it. And to have a great putting day, I mean, that's got to mean a lot for him going forward. Are, are you thinking he's going to have another great round tomorrow? Do you think this is kind of a low round? Are you looking at him saying, yeah, this is a guy who's ready uh, to charge for four straight days?
2: I, I think the good putting today, he just made the putts that he had to. Um, you know, everything inside. Like I, I talk about that eight-foot and number all of the time. He was, as far as my memory serves, pretty good from that range. And then he made a, a bonus one down the hill on eleven. Um, otherwise, he was just pretty sharp from close range, and it was a fundamental sort of around. round. So with that being said, if he does the same thing tomorrow, logic would say that he will do it again, but you never know in golf. Um, but the way he started to swing, as I, as I referenced when you asked what impressed me, I referenced a bad shot, and the bad shot was going in one direction, and that's easy to manage. It's when you got that sucker going in two directions that it's, it's, it's hard to play consistent golf.
1: I think for, um, for Rory, I said that he shot 66. Um, I, that was a mistake. He shot 64 today, um, which was marked by or matched rather by abraham answer and abraham answer mark um tied for the low round of the day he was the biggest mover of the day no question he he goes out in 31 um and he comes in with the eight straight pars and then makes eagle on 18 it was an impressive round for him this is a fiery competitor i'm a huge fan of abraham answer did you get a chance to to catch any of his round today
2: uh, no, I didn't. So, should I do my Kyle Porter and just give you my assessment of stuff by looking at Shotlink, or should I just give you my take? <laughs> no, well, was...
1: let's just say uh, your take on Abraham Answer as a player in general.
2: Uh, my take on Abraham is he's gutsy, he's good. He played here last year, but didn't have the best of times and only shot one round under par. And it was, in fact, a round where I was calling him for PGA Tour Live. And, and, and I saw a guy sort of learning the golf course. And, and we talked about this in the setup. There's nuance to playing this place well. And and the more you've been around you, the more you can sort of plot your way around the golf course. And and, and he's the kind of guy who hits this flat fade typically off the tee. He finds a bunch of fairways. He's, he's, he's crafty with his irons. He doesn't hit the ball real high like a like a DJ or a ROM or someone. He flats balls into targets. And a number of the holes today were cut on close to edges of greens. So if you played off the middle of the green and you faded and drew it and high and low and that sort of thing, you could get the ball in there close. And, and he's a streaky putter. So, you know, it doesn't really surprise me that he played well. Um, this is a golf course that, again, I've said this ad nauseum, if you put the ball in play, you can play some offense and, and going bogey-free around you. That's some good stuff by Abraham.
1: Yeah, uh, 11 of 14 fairways today, 15 of 18 greens. And this is not unlike him. He is a player who hits, as you said, a ton of fairways. Um, and I remember what he did at the RBC Heritage. He, he missed one fairway leading into the final round. So uh, extremely impressive with the driver. He gives himself a ton of chances. I think the President's Cup was huge for him. And it's really proving that Abraham answer can compete in any field. So I'm really excited to see what he does. Um, and Mark, I want to get your thoughts on some, some picks heading into tomorrow. If you've been listening to the podcast, if you've listened to the, to the round-by-round recaps well, there's a good chance that over the past couple of weeks you've made yourself some, some pretty good uh, cash with a couple of these bets. We've had a couple of long shots hit. We're going to try to find the long shot, maybe some of the favorites who we think are going to do really well tomorrow and for the rest of the week. But stick around. First, we're going to take a break and hear word from our partners.
0: It's a really fine line creating workout clothes that are great in the gym and workout clothes that are also great to look at outside the gym and Viore has threaded that Needle. They are designed to work out in, but they don't look like it. They don't feel like it. And it's incredibly comfortable stuff, whether you are running, training, swimming, doing yoga, running errands, lounging around the house. It really doesn't matter. These are versatile clothes. You'll find me often in the men's Sunday performance jogger because I, I like the jogger situation that goes on down at the bottom, but they're very comfortable. Uh, they've got a little bit of a shorter inseam, so they're not as bulky as as other pants or other joggers that I have seen out there, and I've really enjoyed how they work both in and out of the gym. So now, here's what you can do for, for our listeners. Uh, first-time purchasers are getting 20% off. All you have to do is go to viori.com slash first. That's V-U-O-R-I.com slash first. Again, Not only will you receive 20% off your first order, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75. And here's my favorite part, free returns. Yeah, go check it out. Viore.com slash first and discover the versatility of Viore clothing.
1: And we're back. Okay, Mark, this is what everybody's been waiting for. Who do we think based on maybe, I don't know, maybe Mark's model, maybe something else. Who do you like heading into, into tomorrow, uh, a Saturday second round? Who do you think's gonna make the biggest move tomorrow?
2: Uh, yeah, Maybe you should explain what Mark's model is, but, but, but I'm sort of looking down the field, and again, uh, I've been beating this drum for a long time. I watched Brendan Todd assemble a very basic looking 67 today, and the guy didn't put a foot wrong. You know, he wasn't driving it that long off the tee. In fact, Rory was habitually 35, 40 yards in front. But for a while, Todd was making Rory kind of look pedestrian on the front nine. And then Rory took advantage in a few uh, uh, holes on the back into the wind. But Brendan, the way he's hitting it and the way he's putting, I I, I look to see him build on the 67 he shot today. Um, You know, I also think Xander Shoffley, I was surprised really because the 67 he shot was a little scrappy including a double bogey and and so where you guys say well the guy didn't putt well maybe he'll putt better this sort of stuff whatever your theory is I look people that have just I look at folks that have kind of made one large mistake or or there's something that's glaring that's easy to clean up you know it's it's hard to get out and suddenly make putts tomorrow if you haven't made putts today because when you're missing that's Starts to become a bit of a mental thing and it sticks and lodges in the psyche a little bit. So, so I'm looking for Todd to play. I'm looking for Xander to to kick it on a little bit, and then I I have a sense that Poppy's dad is 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 uncorked or he's lifted the seal with that round of sixty four today. Rory just has got a little something about him. He's got a little swagger going on. There were lots of smiles out there. He was quite interactive with me on the golf course. In fact, it was once or twice. He sort of would walk past me on the one hole on 10. He's driven it way right, like he had been missing, and he hits it on the green, and he walks up the hill past me, and he goes, well, I'm becoming an expert at playing out of the right rough. And so there was like this self-deprecating way about him and, and just the, that the mindset was loose, and he looked like he was sort of playing with house money. The pressure was off. And so I think McElroy might be the guy to pay attention to tomorrow.
1: Speaking of house money, uh, Poppy's dad, Rory McElroy, is plus 650 thanks to our friends at uh, uh, William Hill. Xander is 33-1 to 1, as an outright. I think uh, I think it's maybe a little long for Xander to, to win the tournament, but I do think, I agree with you, I think he's going to have uh, a great round tomorrow. Here's the guy I'm looking at heading into tomorrow. It's Webb Simpson. You mentioned something glaring that happens that uh, yeah. maybe surprises you, something that's easy to clean up, something that's unlike the player and I look at Webb Simpson and the start that he got off to with four bogeys in his first five holes all of a sudden Webb Simpson is four over par through five he's at two under for the tournament well back out of contention he's done but not so fast he makes birdie at eight ten thirteen and eighteen he just patiently chips away at the lead he gets back to six under for the tournament even for the round I thought it was a gutsy performance and when I look at Webb Simpson he was the best iron player in the field today. It's something he's done very well all throughout the season. I think he's either fifth or sixth for the year uh, approaching the green. And it's something that I believe is going to continue. He's got to clean it up with the putter a little bit. And Webb has been a great putter all year who had a bad putting day today. So Webb is a uh, the first guy that I look at. The second guy that I look at who I really like for an outright is Justin Thomas. Uh, you're not going to get the odds that you get with, uh, with a Webb Simpson. Uh, with Justin Thomas, but it's for good reason. JT is a little bit closer to the lead. He closed that margin from three to two, still has two players to pass, but I think that JT and Webb are your big movers tomorrow. All right. Um, Well, that's it for us. We promised we were going to keep it quick. I think, as Jacob likes to say, under 25 minutes or it's free. Um, So I think we're kind of right around that mark. But, Mark, great job on the coverage today. It was a a pleasure watching. And I know this is one of your favorite venues of the year. So enjoy the rest of the week. Thanks for joining One of Bobby
2: Jones' quote. Do you need one? Yes, I need one. Uh, Oh, yes, he has one for you. Um, The 15th hole. They were playing it short, 150 yards today. But still, you know, this was McElroy being defensive. He had a wedge well left of the target. You know, it was a uh, 150 yards. Um, Jones said with that hole, it's Island Green, and that's about 215 from the back tee. He said he finally find, figured out the key to playing that hole well, and that was to use an old golf ball. <laughs> <Wait for> that.
1: <laughs> well, that keeps your. Uh your brand new golf balls strokes gain golf balls in the positive. So I I like the strategy from Bobby Jones. I like the strategy from Mark Immelman. That's Mark Immelman. You can get him on Twitter at Mark underscore Immelman. I'm Greg Ducharme. You can get me on Twitter at the real GFD. Thank you so much for listening to our round one recap of the tour championship. We'll be back with you tomorrow after round two, after round three, we'll be with you. And after round four on Monday night, we'll be with you again. Uh, So make sure you, you stick around for all of that. And thanks so much for listening. I'll talk to you next time.
3: Hey, everyone, this is Jimmy Conrad, your favorite former U.S. Men's National Team player and the host of the Call It What You Want podcast. And I'm here to tell you that Viore is a versatile clothing brand that speaks my language. It's inspired from the coastal California lifestyle, just like me. Its products stand the test of time.